Welcome to Campfire Football. I'm Sebastian North. Today, a little bit of a special episode. This is number 45. I interviewed Brendan Griffiths, who is the host of In the Eleven podcast. He is a young man going for trying to become a professional player, trying to get a professional contract. And he also is someone who provides his own podcast with his life and road and pathway in the game trying to make it. And so I love what he's doing. I think it's excellent. I decided I wanted to sit down and talk with him for a little bit and just get his perspective on what it's like to be out there doing his thing. So without further ado, please enjoy and listen to this episode with Brendan Griffiths of In the Eleven Pod. Thanks so much. Hey, how's it going? Great. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. Can you hear me all right? I can hear you great. I can hear you great. Okay. Perfect. Awesome. So you're in Denmark. Yeah, <laughs> I'm in Denmark. That's pretty great. I have a, I went to Denmark when um, I was 16 for the Dana Cup. I don't know if you've heard about that one. That's like one of their biggest youth tournaments that they do. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. So I was 16 um, and my club team went out there and did a tournament, one in Gothenburg, Sweden. We did the Gothia Cup and then went to Denmark, did the Dana Cup. It's just fun. I mean, Denmark's an awesome place, so yeah sounds sounds cool for you to be there but anyway i just want to say thanks thanks for coming on. i think it'll be fun and the first thing i just want to say is i'll i'll send you like because this will be record and then i'll send you the audio and video file and you feel free to do whatever you want with it like copy paste it put it on yours i don't care like as far as i'm concerned it's just fun collaborating with people who are doing something similar, you know, and yeah, uh, 100%. Yeah, yeah. I've, so, I've definitely had others on my pod and, you know, gone on other podcasts as well. So I get it. It's it's cool. It's really fun. Yeah. And it's a little community. And so and I'm I'm not um I'm not a person who's like uh, very protective or territorial about my content. I'm like, no, no, no. Like, get it out there. Yeah. Let's all enjoy it. So anything yeah. you want to do with with this when I send it over to you, just make a do whatever you want with it. Awesome, man. I appreciate it. Sweet. Well, look, we'll get started because I, I just basically your your little story when I got started doing my podcast, which was Christmas Day, right? Mm-hmm. I went ahead on Instagram was like, well, I got to find people who are doing something similar and just started searching and following found you and just over the course of time, it just kind of kept up, you know, just, you know, with what you're up to. And it's really fun to see a progression that actually has like a tangible storyline to it it's not just like oh here i am training at my own place every day you're making moves and you can talk about it and so i think that's just rad um first of all where's home so home for me is in upstate new york um i live a little bit outside of albany that's where i was born and raised and grew up there pretty much my whole life before I went off to uh, went off to college. So actual upstate New York, because yeah, I know in New York, you know, I've got a friend from Poughkeepsie and he tells people he's from upstate. I'm like, you're an hour north of the city, which is the most <laughs> southern point of the damn state. Yeah, so, there's all sorts of weird arguments about, you know, whether you're upstate or whether you're western New York or whether you're it's just it's a whole thing. <laughs> and where'd you go to college? So I bounced around a little bit, but um, I did my associate's degree uh, out in Cortland, New York at a school called Tompkins Cortland. So I played junior college ball there for two seasons. Um, And then I made my way down to a school in Philadelphia. It was called Chestnut Hill College, really small uh, private division two 
school where I finished out my degree there and then got to be a part of that team for two seasons as well. So that was a good experience. Yeah. And the college game in America is so interesting because it's changing really fast. I mean, look, I, I, I'm 35. So I entered college in 04. And I can tell you from what D even I was in D3, what D3 programs are doing now versus what they were doing then is like style of play has changed so much. So I don't know. I, I imagine you got to see a much better level of soccer than most people did maybe just seven years ago at the same type of school. Do you know anything about that, how that's changed where you played? Yeah, I think honestly, the, the biggest thing for me that was such an eye opener and that what I always say about my college experience was both at the junior college level. And then when I went to Philadelphia, I was my, it was my first opportunity where I got to play with international players as well. Mm. which was just like a huge, a huge um, positive experience on, on my game and my relationship with the game. And, you know, I got to play with players from Brazil and England and Australia, and, and some of them have turned out to be my best friends still to this day. So that was such a cool thing. And probably honestly, partially the inspiration for what sparked this journey for me now after graduating was, you know, being around so many different cultures and them talking about the way that football is, in their home country and how the culture like and so that was I would say the biggest thing and then that definitely translated into the style of play and you know it was it was always like a even at the college level you would see all different unique styles of play well you know what you just said is the most interesting thing to me it's kind of one of the things that got me uh wanted to talk to you about all this is so I my mom's from France my dad's from England I've you know I, I've got my whole family's European and my mom is a serial traveler. So she took us everywhere as kids. So I've always had a pretty, just a lot of exposure to different cultures. And then when it came to soccer, I, I was also, you know, I did maybe a summer camp, soccer summer camp in France so that my mom could just get rid of me while I was at my grandparents' house. Right. And then uh, I, I think I, I went to Tawichi in Bolivia. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of that Academy. No, I haven't. Yeah, it's it's pretty sweet. It's um, it's just a youth academy. They don't have a pro team, but they export like Marco Echeverri came from there. Jaime Moreno, a lot of like MLS legends were they came through this academy. And you as a foreigner, you could go down there and train and the training methods are insane. I mean, they take you running up and down sand dunes. They take you running through rivers. You play for like six hours, eight hours a day. Um and you travel around and play against teams from different towns throughout the country. And you're with people from all over the world. And that's where you kind of get an understanding. Oh my God, this is a global game. I can make friends anywhere with this. Right. Yeah. And so now you have decided to go do this part of like what you said, inspired you was getting contact with all those different people. So now you're an American in Europe and you're not one of the people who has family kind of like, uh, uh, there's a lot of American players who are in Europe right now who uh, they come from military families who basically for diplomatic reasons, they're able to just go you on the other hand, it's a little bit more difficult, right? In terms of visas and all that business. So what yeah. you're doing is way more bold than a lot of American people I think are willing to do, which I heavily congratulate you for, especially because as an American being out of the country, you learn so much about what the world thinks of you, right? Mm -hmm. So what are some things that you've just seen from your time in Germany and also now in, in Denmark, especially over what 
has occurred in, in the U.S. over the last couple of years. What kind of questions and just experience are you having on a social level with that? <laughs> I mean, obviously, the one that is, especially these past couple of years, the one that's always talked about is just our political, <laughs> whatever you want to call it, you know, everything to do with who we elected as president and the how everything is run in our country. People are just so fascinated by like I talk to people here in Denmark and sometimes they know more about what's going on in, in current events than I feel like I do sometimes in terms of like, did you hear what your president just said? Or did you hear what just happened? And I'm like, <laughs> no. And I, maybe it's because in, you know, in America, there's so much craziness that goes on all the time and so much in the news at all times that maybe you become a little bit desensitized to it. But I think in places like Denmark, where, you know, for the most part, there's not a lot of just insane things that happen in the news in the same way I think that it happened in America. Um, people are, are fascinated here by, by, you know, kind of how we run and how our culture is in the state. So people have lots of questions about that. It's, it is funny to have the experience of, you know, I know in Germany a lot, there was, there's sort of this, when you first tell someone that you're American, right? There's almost this, uh, this grin that comes over their face. They're like, oh, you're American. And, you know, in some ways it can be a good thing because it's, it kind of eases any tension and makes the conversation flow because they're interested in, in what America's like and they want to learn about it. But in some ways too, you know, maybe from a football perspective or just in life, they kind of look at you as like, oh, like, I don't know, he's American. I, I kind of got to take a step back and figure out who he really is. And, you know, can he actually play football and those types of things? Um, yeah, it's been it's been eye opening for sure from that perspective, because, you know, when you're in America, you you don't really know how the rest of the world perceives you until you come over here and, and start to see it firsthand. Yeah, well, I mean, one of the biggest pieces of advice I've given to almost everyone I know, I'm like, you have to leave this country, just leave it every now and again. And don't just go stay at a Marriott or whatever, like actually meet some locals and you will find out they don't hate you. They're fascinated by you. But yeah. they'll tell you a perspective that you otherwise maybe had no idea. Um, I think recently I read uh, something about Reggie Cannon. I think his, he moved over to Boa Vista in Portugal. Mm -hmm. And he recently said, I saw a quote where he mentioned that he explains some of the ways that things work in the United States with like, you know, just different things, especially during the coronavirus, so many of our structural pieces in our country became pretty obvious to talk about. And he was like, it's so weird, man. I talked to these guys in Portugal and they come from really, really just basic backgrounds, but they look at what we do and they think it's the stone age, you know? And it was so interesting to hear this guy who had his own situation where he got booed by fans um, during the MLSs, I think when they had a game in Dallas and then he moved away and he's like, geez, the perspective of what people see. And then obviously the other thing is as an American footballer, you're now working with the fact that there is more credibility towards Americans now. And so they're maybe not going to write you off as quick. They're still going to be curious, but have you, do you feel like there's a really good level of support and maybe optimistic curiosity for you rather than just, Oh God, it's another American guy who just wants to make it, you know? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think, like I said, there's a lot of pros and cons, you know, to kind of having that the label of being an American. I think one thing that I've noticed that's different from and me speaking to Danish people, you know, and speaking to some coaches here, is I think 
for us as American players, like we have this mindset, a lot of us do of just, we're going to work hard and we're going to do anything that it takes to try and, you know, achieve this dream, get a contract, play at a high level, whatever it is, where Danish people, they have a very kind of practical mindset to everything, you know, maybe if they're kind of on the cusp of being a pro, but it might not work out, then they're like, well, the smart thing for me to do is, is to go to school and, you know, play it safe. And a lot of times for us as Americans, we're just like, Hey, let's, let's give it a go. Let's keep plugging away at this and, and see what happens. And I think as well, the fact that, as you mentioned, you're seeing so many players now come over to Europe and not just come to Europe, but also have success and make names for themselves and be big time players. It really is starting to change the narrative about American players that, you know, in a way totally. I was just talking to a buddy of mine and I'm like, I almost feel like Americans are like the hot commodity right now. Like everybody wants to get in on the, you know, on the trend early and, and find one or two and snatch them up and, and maybe they'll turn into something big. So it is interesting. It gives me, I have a lot of respect for any, any guys who, you know, our generations past who went over and really kind of blazed the trail because, you know, 10, 15 years ago, you could count on maybe one or two hands, how many Americans were over here playing. And I can't imagine what it was like then, you know, when the perspective wasn't really the same about what an American player was. So yeah, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, I just think it's fascinating, especially during a pandemic year. Right. And so you've had to do, well, I don't, how many, how many COVID tests have you had in total by now? So before I, before I started the travel process, I had only taken it twice during yeah. the whole like 2020 and, and into the beginning of 2021. And then I think in the span of when I started traveling, cause I had a flight and then I had to have it moved and it was a whole thing. And then I had to get retested. I think I took like seven or eight tests in the span of like six days. It's crazy. <laughs> wow. That feels like overkill and it feels like that. It's, you know, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, I mean, there's some, there's some, uh, you know, there's rules for where you are actually traveling to, but then some places had rules for like Amsterdam. And for example, they had a rule that you had to have a certain testing protocol, even if you were just transporting through Amsterdam like not if you were actually visiting Amsterdam but if you were just in that airport then you had to have a certain protocol for your testing so it's you know every country has a different way of doing it and sometimes that means you got to take more tests <laughs> well you're learning a hell of a lot about diplomacy I can tell you that much um it's <laughs> just the way the way crossing borders is working I mean you've learned a ton about that that's for sure and so you're in Denmark how how sort of stricter regulations, um, shutdowns? I mean, are you able to go out and, you know, at least find a cafe, enjoy some Danish food, find your favorite pastry? I don't know. Like, are you able to do things to culturally assimilate or is it sort of sterile and weird still? Uh, it definitely is, I think, still kind of weird and, and sterile, as you mentioned. It, um, which, which kind of makes it harder even you know, it's tough enough to come to a country and try and assimilate in a normal world. And I'm realizing, you know, how it can be even tougher when it's, when it's a not normal world. Uh, we have, 
right now, so there's no like dine in at any restaurants or shops of a certain size can't open. So everything is just takeaway and you know, you have to take it and, and bring it with you. And then some restaurants and some cafes and stuff, I think have just closed down because they can't really afford to keep the doors open in, in a world like that. Cause they've been shut down for quite a long time here. So there's not a ton that's open. I mean, you can, it's not a full lockdown. You can like leave your house, but for the most part, the only real things that are open are, are kind of grocery stores and stuff like that. Um, you know, there's so many cool things in the city that I would love to to see as well, even, you know, just from a museum and, and art perspective and, and some cool architecture that's in the city that I'd love to see, but not quite open yet. Um, so it's definitely difficult to assimilate right now, but the hope is that the rules that are set in place right now are until April 5th. So hopefully gotcha. after the 5th, we can, we can have, I'm sure it won't be back to fully normal, but maybe a step in the right direction. I mean, it's kind of funny you think about it. If you were to travel to a foreign country, you would never pick one that's on some kind of lockdown, right? Because you'd be like, I'm not gonna be able to do anything. So yeah, it's gotta be really strange to just like, I mean, for me too, as someone who's traveled a bunch, the first thing I wanna do is just walk around and find food and like, you know, nice stuff to look at. And I'm sure you can walk around, but without life in a city, it definitely, it definitely makes it weird. So look, I wanted to ask if obviously some questions about football, not just culture and society, because you know, that is, that is what is what we, it's what we do. So I, I went ahead and looked at some of your uh, highlight videos. I love the way, I love what you did. And one thing that caught my eye was I started to go, I, I don't really know what position this guy plays. Cause I looked at most, it's, uh, some videos, you're left back, some videos, you're a central midfielder, some videos you're up on the wing, switching sides. I was like, I, this seems like a pretty versatile player. So what is that kind of your identity that you you're willing to do it all? Yeah, it's been, it's been a blessing and a curse. I think in my career, it's been a blessing in that I've always been able to be malleable and do a lot of different things well and find my, find my role on the field. You know, when I was playing in Germany, there'd be certain points where I would, play the first half right back. And then he'd be like, yep, you're going to the left for the second half. And I was like, okay, <laughs> let's, let's figure this out. And so it's been, it's been good in that aspect that I can, like I said, you know, always find a way to, to get onto the field. Um, it's tough sometimes too, because I, I wonder sometimes if I, you know, if I dedicate myself to one position and kind of hone that craft and become excellent in one or two skills, if that, if that maybe becomes more marketable for me as a player, if that, you know, grows my game that much more, I don't know, but I think overall my, my development and my career has kind of been becoming the best soccer player that I can be, you know, regardless of, of position. And because the positional thing's always been interesting to me, you get specialists who can do something brilliant, but then you get a coach that doesn't need that. Yeah. And I mean, look, I'm a Chelsea fan, so I'm watching this like outrageous array of attacking players. And if you decide, no, we're going to go with four, two, three, one today. Well, there's two guys that are useless. If you decide to go with a four, four, two, well, there's three that you can't use in any way. And so these are specialists, right? So then you start to look at who fits in all the time. Right. And mm -hmm. I think uh, in a world like ours, 
I don't know if specialists really are the best, the best players for the future of the game. Do you see the game going, continuing in a direction where the more diverse of a player you are, the more likely you are to be in a team, regardless of your role? Yeah, I, I could, I could see that, you know, I think the players that I kind of, I feel like are closely aligned with my game right now in terms of the modern game is I always look at a player like Joshua Kimmich and I feel like he, I feel like him and I, and obviously he's a, he's a far superior player to me. Um, but, I, and just in terms of style and the way that he's so industrial and the way that, you know, he can slide into the center and do things from uh, kind of just keeping the tempo and dictating the pace of a game, but also can get out on the wing and get up and down. I think, yeah, I think players who can do a lot of different things well are going to add value to your team in one way or the other. Um, I don't know. I don't know if the specialist will ever die off because I think, you know, there's always going to be a place for someone who can do something at just such a, a high level compared to everyone else at the position. But yeah, you know, you see, you see the way the game is played today. It's so dynamic. It's so, it's, it's at such a high level. And a lot of the players that do well are ones that can be versatile and can, can, can do a lot of different things. For sure. I mean, I, one of the reasons why I think this trend is starting to happen is because I remember when Pep Guardiola's, you know, Bar Barcelona dynasty took over and the term tiki taka was created, not even by them. But it became so ingrained everywhere. I mean, everywhere in the world, people wanted to play that style. Mm -hmm. And there was something about the personnel that was special, but there was also something about the overall tactics and, and just way of looking at the game, game philosophy. I look at the way Man City are playing right now, and Pep Guardiola seems to be doing another kind of revolution where you have absolutely no idea who of the front five is going to end up where and who's going to score a goal. And I sort of think about that as one of the things that, that might start creating where people are like, well, why do we need fixed positions really at all? Yeah. And um, so I wonder, I, I, obviously I'm with you. The specialists are, they're always going to exist and be needed. But I do think in a world where you see the way some of these trends are going, players that have a limited array of options they fade in and out of teams really quickly so yeah I, I I was just really impressed with with the way that you seem to value versatility I think it's important because I, I was that kind of player too I got put at left back my senior year of high school because we had too many central midfielders who could do nothing else mm -hmm. so I was you know yeah yeah so and look here's a, one thing I really wanted to pick your brain on is the professional pathway, right? I'm a coach of U13, U14, U15 kids. And the idea of how you make it to people is so linear. Like they think, okay, it's either you do really well and get picked up by an academy and then hopefully you make it to pro or you go to college at a high level and then get drafted. If not those options, probably not going to happen. I tell people all the time, you cannot say that. You have no idea what your pathway is going to be and how you will get there and how you'll evolve. I, I, I'd love to know your opinion on just what the difference is in your, in your mind between these rigid ideas of pathways and how explorative any player 
like you who's aspiring to do what you want in this scenario like how far do you have to go how far can you go what are the limits how big can you expand your journey and your adventure yeah it's it's a great it's a great question and it's honestly a big reason why i started the podcast to begin with because i think that idea that you mentioned was what a lot of kids in America think, you know, they think there's one or two paths that are possible for them to, you know, play this game at a high level. And if they don't, if they're not in one of those two lanes, then it's done. And, you know, don't get me wrong. If you perform really well at a young age and you get yourself into an MLS Academy, that's probably going to open a lot, lot more doors than, you know, someone like me, who didn't have the same opportunities. So I would definitely still encourage kids to, to find, you know, to train as hard as they can and try and find those opportunities at a young age, because if anything, it might make your, you know, your bridge to the professional game a little bit easier, because as we all know, this game is about, it's about connections. It's, it's about notoriety as much as we, you know, might not like it. Course, if you have yeah. things on your CV, if you have certain people making phone calls for you, it's going to be a little bit easier, but with that being said, there is still a path for someone like myself or, you know, other players of a similar background to me. And really what it comes down to is just how much, how much are you willing to kind of go outside the box and how much are you willing to do something off the beaten path? Um, you know, that might mean for you that it is, you need to go to Europe. And that's what I kind of figured it was going to be for me. It might mean that you need to, go all around the U S and try out for every team or, you know, go play in the USL two for a while. You know, I've known players that have kind of grinded it out that way in the States. Um, the, the reason really why I started the podcast was because, you know, no one player's journey is going to be the same. It's not going to be linear. So mm -hmm. I hope that people can listen to what I have to say, listen to my journey. And, and if nothing else, just be inspired to say, yeah, maybe I'm not going to do it exactly like him, but there's a, there's some way out there that I can do it. Even if I'm not, as you mentioned, you know, a high level division one college player or playing in the FC Dallas youth Academy. Right. No, I, I, I mean, I, I think there's a, a certain level of optimism that you have that maybe other people need to just realize that it's good to take on. Cause I mean, some people, they, they want to get to a top. They, they, there's a, a certain place. It's just, I want to get there. But then there's these people who are the football journeymen, you know, the ones who live in 15 different countries, learn nine different languages over the course of their time, make connections everywhere. Does that sound like a life that even if you don't make it to say, you know, first or second tier of a cl of club football, does a life of 10 years just moving around playing the game in different places sound like spectacular to you you know it's it's funny that it's funny that you mentioned that because i've had i've had such an interesting week with kind of balancing you know i feel like in a way maybe my priorities are shifting a little bit within this game like i was you know my younger self i think was exactly like you said i just had this goal right i just i wanted to get there and that was it and i had blinders on to it and I think now as I've gotten to travel a little bit, I've got to experience Germany. Now I'm experiencing Denmark. I think I'm just, I'm realizing how, how just cool this journey is just in and of itself. 
you know, even if I don't go on to, as you mentioned, sign a contract in the first or second division and play at the highest level possible to have this experience is something that is valuable. And even if it were to end tomorrow, I, I, you know, no one can ever take this away from me. So yeah, I think, I think it would be a cool experience to have that. Um, you know, I, I would love to still play in the States one day, I think to play in the country, you know, where I'm from, that would be an amazing sure. experience. I've loved Denmark here. I would, you know, that would be cool to play in Denmark for another year to, you know, maybe go back to Germany. I don't know. I would, it, the, anything is really kind of on the table right now, but I've been, I've been blessed, I think with the journey that I've had so far. Well, I recommend going and playing some ball in Latin America. I, I, I highly recommend Latin America. Um, go to Colombia. That's Colombia is my, uh, my number one recommendation. Go as soon as you can. Cause, um, the world's finding out just how rad Colombia actually is. So, so my, <laughs> and, and there's football absolutely everywhere down there. They're, they're sure. mad about it. And, and it's, it's really, really fun. So yeah, that's, that's what I'd say is if once you get back to the, uh, to the Americas, just, playing football in Colombia somewhere on your list because yeah I mean uh, hey you got a connection for me I'll, I'll definitely go check it out <laughs> I, I don't know if I have connections I mean I might I, I definitely have a uh, couple connections uh, guys who work with uh, second division clubs in Costa Rica and stuff so yeah I mean look uh, always you know like you said you use you use the connections there's a CV <laughs> process which the whole idea of a CV I think to a lot of players is like no no my resume you see it when I play on the field but that's not actually how it works. You've realized that it's a lot more professional than that, even at uh, the lowest levels that you can possibly really almost apply for. So when did you sort of start to figure all that out? Probably when I, when I came to Europe, I think. Um, I think the, the CV and the highlight video are kind of those, it's kind of like that job application and you have to have something enticing enough on there for whoever's on the other end to, to want to take a, a further look at you. So, yeah, I think I realized how important it was once I got over to Europe. And I think also I realized how, how once you get over to Europe, people don't care that much about where you went to college. <laughs> it's, you know, me having NCAA division two on my CV when I'm over here in, you know, Germany, Denmark, et cetera, they're like, what's, what's that? What's that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, which I think is an important thing for American players to realize. I think in America, yeah. You know, if you go to the biggest division one school, that's going to carry weight when you talk to an MLS team or you talk to a USL team, but you know, you come to Portugal or you come to Spain and you say that you played for the University of Connecticut, they're yeah. going to say, okay, like, <laughs> you know, have you played professionally? And, and that's, and that's a big eye opener, I think, for a lot of American players when they get over here is that what you do in college really doesn't, doesn't matter too much. Yeah. Yeah. And that's an interesting, it's gotta be a tough question for any kid who's 18 looking to maybe go to college or looking to maybe roll the dice and go abroad. And then there's all the financial things, obviously, that go into that. I've, I've heard a lot of people tell me over the years, if you've got money behind you, it's a lot easier to put yourself in positions where you can actually grind, which I thought was really, you know, I mean, it's true, obviously, it's, but it, it, and it's fascinating. So um, 
So one thing that through all this, you've learned how to obviously do all the things that you've just picked up through travel and, and all the different just nuances and, and soft things. But then there's also in doing your own sort of CV and videos, you make your own highlight videos, you have to build your own profile as a soccer player, as a footballer. And then on top of that, you've decided to start a podcast. So now you are a footballer, you are a producer, you are an editor, you are a broadcaster. Mm -hmm. And all of this sounds to me from a coach's perspective, someone who's, you know, I done a lot of psychology study on on different things related to the game and it sounds to me like you have figured out and learned about mindset and what positive more growth mindsets are versus ones that are just going to keep you in a in a hamster wheel it sounds to me like either you've done some really good research also you're clearly intelligent but did you also have a mentor along the way that really helped you have the right frame of mind because you're very optimistic in a very measured way. And that's not common. I can tell you that from, for sure. It's not that common. Yeah. I've had, I've had a lot of mentors. I've had a lot of people that have helped me in this journey. And I try and, I try and learn from anyone that I can, you know, whether they have years of experience in the game or, or not, I try and just learn as much as I can from anyone that I come across I think, I think the mindset that I've developed for myself has come from a lot of experience and it's come from a lot of trials and, and tribulations and it hasn't always, you know, it hasn't always been easy. I think still I'm, I'm learning how to become a better, a better person, a better athlete every day and have that growth mindset. Cause it's not always easy. Like I said, you know, being over here by yourself, a lot of times it can have this glitz and glam persona to it but really when it comes down to it it's like you know I walk to training and I come home and <laughs> there's nobody at this apartment so you got to be able to you got to be able to positively kind of talk to yourself if you had a bad training or if you had a good training you know you have to be your biggest advocate and your biggest supporter and it's like I said it's not something that's always easy but I do I do try and work a lot on mindset because I know how important it is to pursue this. And yeah, I've, I've had a, a lot of people that have helped me along the way. Well, look, you talk like a coach. So if you, I'm telling you, you do, you do, you do, you talk like a coach. I, I mentioned in one of our, I think I was, wrote a comment to you about a few weeks ago saying I'd hire you as a coach, like immediately. Cause you, you, you speak right. And you, it, it's just, it, you have it, it comes from here and here head and head and heart you've got it in the right place so um i love that i think it's great and uh one of the things that's kept coming back to me while we've been talking have you ever read the book range by david epstein i have not all right if you have whatever whatever you do to get books i, I on your most recent ep on your episode about how you kill time you talked about how you read um mm -hmm. And I, I want to recommend this one to you. It's called Range, How Generalists Thrive in a Specialized World. And it's basically a, lot, a, a whole bunch of stories from all throughout history of different types of people about how people who just got good at lots of different things ended up 
being able to be successful at in life a lot easier than people who focused on a very narrow path. And so from what you're doing, you know, I think the podcast, like you said, in your episode, it helps you get a whole other bandwidth away from being obsessed with a training session, a misplaced pass, something you want back. And I heard you say that too. And I, I think it's really interesting. As far as mentors, I wanted to mention, I want to give mad props to your mom. Okay. Because I heard on your episode, you said that you were sitting around trying to figure out you're at home trying to figure out what to do. And she was like, there's COVID. These coaches, they didn't have time to read your email before. They got plenty of time now. I just, I love that. I think that that was, um, it's the best advice you can get from the, a non-football person necessarily, right? And mm -hmm. someone who just kind of cracks your skull open and you're like, oh my God, there's such something so simple here. So have you also gotten just funny pieces of luck along the way where you're like, I can't believe that person just said that, that helped me out so much or, or a realization you had that you were like, I cannot believe it took me so long to figure this simple thing out. Yeah, it's, it's, it's funny that you mentioned that. Uh, I think about that a lot. You know, that's kind of how I even got into this opportunity was I started emailing a little bit earlier and who knows if I had waited a couple months who knows where I would be right now? And yeah, I'll give I'll give props to my mom as well. She's she's my number one supporter, and and I and I love her dearly. Um, yeah, I think it's it's um, it's interesting how yeah you can you can it's funny just the way that this game works like you think and i and i'm trying to have that right now within my mindset as i you know move forward and with this team and you know look for future opportunities and all those types of things try and perform well i forget sometimes that some of the best things that have happened to me have kind of come out of left field and i haven't expected them you know when i went to philadelphia the college that i played at that opportunity came so late in the process, I thought I was done playing college soccer. And then all of a sudden this, you know, this pops up. And I think as, as people, and especially as athletes, we're so hyper-focused on doing really well now and then having it build to something else. But a lot of times you find that some of the best opportunities that you get or the best experiences that you have, people that you meet, they come from, they come from little things that you would never see coming. And it's, it's a hard thing to remind yourself as you're trying to work hard towards your goal that there may be something that pops up down the road that is just going to hit you and that's going to be the thing that's amazing, even though all this work you put in towards this one opportunity may not pan out. So yeah, it's, it's interesting. Like even just now that it makes me think about it, you mentioned it, I had a, a coach that I played with a number of summers ago. Um, just reached out to me because he saw that I was in Denmark and he was like, Hey, I actually used to live in Denmark way back when, and I played for this club and I know a couple people like, do you want me to message them? I'm like, yeah, oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, beautiful. So such small things like that, you know, that like, kind of like you said that just, they hit you out of nowhere, but it's, it's the, it's the beauty I think of doing something cool like this. And be nice to people up the ladder. Cause, uh, you can see uh, you can see where they can come back and help you later on in the Donkey Kong platforms, right? Exactly. Um, so yeah, well, look, we're 
I want to close out with a, a, a couple little football questions. Very, very sort of quick hit kind of simple stuff. Games, either recent or past teams or players, just maybe one or two of each that were the, have been the most inspiring in your football life. Any a specific match or two or specific team or two or specific player or two, right? Go ahead. Okay. Um, so I guess I'll go with some players. Um, like I said, I think for me, a big one lately has been Joshua Kimmich watching I him and just, and just, and then kind of too, it's funny that they're both German. The, the, you know, the one before him was Philip Lahm as well, which mm -hmm. I, I always, I kind of think too, reminds me a little bit of my game. Um, so I'd say those are two players that I'd always look to. Awesome. Just to kind of model the, some of the things that I do. Um, and then what you said games and you said, yeah, teams, there's any right? couple matches that made you go and that just blew your mind. And then maybe, you know, teams, not necessarily a team you supported, but a, a team that just, just, in, just took you, you know, you just, just fell in yeah. love with what they were doing. Yeah. I think for me, ever since, ever since honestly, Pep has, um, had come kind of to the forefront and, you know, had that Barcelona team and then everything that he's done, I've just been so fascinated with him as a manager and just the things that he's done with his team and how I feel like he's kind of reinvented himself in, in ways with each club that he's been a part of. I'm, I'm really fascinated by his journey. And, you know, I, obviously that Barcelona team was, was just a spectacle to watch all the time. And that was, that was a team that inspired me a lot to play you know, I won't, I won't say that I can play truly Tiki Taka style because the vision that they have is just out of this world, but that's the way I like to play. You know, I like to have the ball on the ground and I like to play one, two touch and I like to move the ball quickly in a possession based environment. So that team inspired me tremendously to do that. And then to see then his progression into a Bayern Munich team and now a Man City team where they have, especially at Bayern, they had these athletes who could just overpower teams and they could play such a dynamic style, mm -hmm. which is so, was so fun to watch his evolution. And now, now at Man City where they, you know, they have a combination of both where they can play technical and they can play in between the lines, but they can also, you know, do things with their fullbacks overlapping and kind of play that dynamic style as well. So I would say he's a big inspiration for me and just seeing what he's been able to do with his players. Um, and so it probably started when I would say with that Barcelona team. And then any matches, if you say USA versus Algeria, I'll be a little bit disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh, off the top of my head. I don't know if I can think, if I can think of a, a specific match that, that, um, that just was like super awe-inspiring for me. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Well, well I, I would be curious to hear yours. Like, what, what's oh, what's one match? Yeah. You? Um. Well, my favorite player ever, Zinedine Zidane. Right there, and actually, mm -hmm. uh, this same tournament uh, that that photo right there is from the Euro two thousand, and. 
he scored that's when he scored a free kick against Spain the following game was against Portugal and I'd, I'd recommend go look at highlights of uh, France Portugal Euro 2000 it was mental the game was I mean red hot in terms of intensity the Portuguese players were pissed I mean it was and I mean the game was incredible it went all the way into extra time um and the performance Zidane put on in that game is like it was like there's on his highlight reels there's a few clips in a highlight reel just from that game what I saw then was bigger than what I saw in the world cup just two years earlier and like I said I mean I'm I'm a France my mom's from France I'm a France fan watching that game I was so just tense I just didn't I did not know if Portugal were going to find a way to win and the way he took over the game just unforgettable unforgettable you know um and then I'd say Ronaldinho um almost every single time he played but uh against Chelsea when he did the the uh, where he did a samba and then toe pokes the ball in the corner Mm-hmm. There's something about the way the guy played, even in a losing side that day, that I was like, this is just, there's some people that are, they do things that are, you know, just Adam make Swallow, you want to yeah. stay in this game, make you want to watch it tomorrow and again and again and again, right? Yeah. I think now that you mentioned it, there there was one game that popped into my head that I, that I think about. Um, I want to say it was 2018, maybe a couple of years ago in Champions League. It wasn't the final, but the, the Barcelona PSG game where Barca was down like the remontada. Yeah. And oh just my God. Kind of, kind of like you mentioned how just watching someone take the game by the scruff of the neck and just be like, you know, we're not losing today to watch Neymar kind of mm-hmm. just take over that, that game. I'm always, I'm always so awestruck by players that have the ability to do that. It, you know, you're at the, the highest of the elite level of athlete. And then you just have, this player who just comes in and just commands the rest of the game is, is fascinating to me. So that I think in, in hearing you talk about that, that, that one popped into my head. That's a great one. That's a really good one. I mean, seminal moment in football, that one, it was, it was pretty, I mean, people are going to talk about that one absolutely forever. And you're right. Neymar yeah. in, in that scenario to see a player basically go and bully a bunch of other pros for, for 15 minutes is, is astonishing. Right. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. Okay. So Brendan, it, Thank you so much. And um, look, keep going, man. Enjoy. I think I really wish you the best of luck for your podcast. I, I stoked to hear it got um, that you got a little shout out in a German newspaper and just, <laughs> man, just, just keep on going, stay as optimistic as you can. I, what I tell my players all the time is uh, this game works so poorly. If you're pessimistic, if you're optimistic, things happen and you'll go where you need to, you'll go where you're supposed to. And um, I think you're just a great example. I've recommended your podcast to some of my players as well. So um, I, I, I can't say whether or not they've listened to it. I'm, I'm not going to go that far, but they're 13. They're 13. Right? But no, I, I just want to let you know, man, you're doing an awesome thing. I'm rooting for you. Um, and I hope a lot of other people are. And yeah, man, keep going. Enjoy it. I appreciate that so much. Um, thank you. And, and thank you for having me on today. It's, it's been a lot of fun. For sure. Well, let's keep this podcast community rolling and, uh, and, and yeah, man, uh, best of luck and we'll talk again sometime soon. All right. Yeah, absolutely. Sounds good. Thanks again. All right, man. Have a good time later. All right. You as well. 
What a good conversation I thought that was. I, I really enjoyed myself. He's a great dude. He's um, really putting his foot out there, really getting himself, you know, in a vulnerable set of positions. And I think for anyone, no matter what your career is, no matter what you want to do, it's important to put yourself out there. One of the reasons I started this podcast, I was sick and tired of ranting and raving on my own about what other people thought about football and decided, you know what, at some point, you've got to add your voice to it too. And he's added his voice and he's going with his feet as well, getting those boots dirty. So wish him all the best. And I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. This is Campfire Football. Have a great day.